The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 110. Going to recap the MLB trade deadline with a nice fantasy twist to it. And in order to do so, I have a special guest. You can find his work over on Rotowire and on Twitter at Scott Jenstead. Scott, how are we doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. It's, uh, I guess it's great to have you on. We talked before. I've heard uh, – I listened to your weekly podcast with uh, Jeff Erickson over at Rotowire. and. Yep. Uh, um, I, I know you're good fantasy football buddy there, Vlad Sedler. So uh, it's good to have you jump on the podcast as well. Absolutely, I, I'm looking forward to it. a lot of uh, a lot of trade deadline stuff. It was a pretty uh, pretty wild and wacky one. Usually we 
you hear so many rumors and stuff, and it kind of you know falls flat. But this year there was a there was a ton of name, names moving. Yeah, it was crazy, and it started like a couple weeks prior, unlike usual. It wasn't all all of them down to the last minute. Um, it kind of, I guess, you could say, made up for the rather lackluster fantasy or yeah, free agent off season we had, where everyone was kind of bummed out about things. They definitely made their uh, made the money work this go around and made some deals and saw some prospects move and so on and so forth. Um, before we get going on all that, why don't you let the the people know what you got going at Rotowire? Uh, I know you got Oaks Corner, and you got some podcasts, and then maybe what you have coming up for NFL as well. Yeah, we do. Uh, I do the uh, a weekly column called Oaks Corner. My uh, my fantasy has always been in Oaktown for like twenty years, so just kind of fell into that. But uh, talk about uh, talk about free agent pickups for the week. Kind of look at the closer market every week. Then kind of some interesting interesting players who've been hot or cold, and then usually uh, look at like what I think the best series of the weekend will be. So kind of a that's the general format for there. So hopefully people will check that out. It's a uh, it's a pretty long piece, usually about three thousand words every week. So uh, I really try and get into as much as I can. Try and find some good, uh, some good pickups. Uh, that's kind of my goal is to figure out uh, ways to help you get better in your league the rest of the way. And then uh, Jeff Erickson and I, from uh, Jeff, is one of the founders of RotoWire. We do a uh, we do the weekly uh, baseball podcast Monday night. RotoWire does four, I think five podcasts a week. Jeff and I do the Monday uh, Monday one. Usually we record Sunday night. It's usually up about uh, about ten or eleven Pacific time on uh, Sunday night. So. Kind of uh, breaking down the free agency. We play. We both play NFBC pretty heavily, so talking about uh, free agent pickups, that kind of stuff, and just kind of what uh, what the weekend uh, what the weekend brought us. So it's uh, that's that's my uh, that's my big uh, big stuff over at Wire. And then football, uh, I don't know exactly what it'll be. I, w- I wrote an article about DFS in the magazine. Did the DFS podcast with Vlad said the last year of uh, Vlad's moved on to uh, to Guru Elite this year. So uh, won't have the same partner, but uh, hopefully will be involved in, the, in some podcast talking some DFS and football. Awesome, good to hear. Let's get to talking. The one DL guy I wanted to talk to talk about beforehand, just because it's a big name and you got to at least pay attention to this kind of an injury. Chris Sale goes on the DL on Tuesday with uh, inflammation in his pitching shoulder. It's never ideal. It could just be wear and tear and he's a little break. Uh, but at the same time, you got to at least pay attention to it. Are you concerned about this at all? Yeah, I mean, from what I've read, not particularly, but anytime you have anything in the throwing shoulder, you know, you take a little step back, especially when it's. You know the best pitcher in the American League right now. Uh, you know one of the top three or four pitchers in all of fantasy baseball. So if you uh, if you're missing those strikeouts, you're missing those ratios. It's tough right now. But they they expect to only be one missed start. They're calling it mild. But uh, I sure as heck would like to see his next start. Make sure he looks kind of back to normal. And the Red Sox are kind of building a little bit of lead over the Yankees. The Yankees are starting to struggle a little bit. You know, pitching Sonny Gray got blasted again today. Uh, the Red Sox might be able to play it a little safe with Sale, which is not what you really want as a fantasy owner. Yeah, you don't want to see him play it safe for the fantasy wise, that's for sure. But they got to think big picture. They they at worst will be one of the wild card teams, but they they want to win the division. And uh, like you said, the Yankees are scuffling, losing um, losing Judge and Sanchez is out, and their pitching's been a roller coaster ride. So yeah, they have that luxury, which is something nice to have when we talk about these races. Now let's go a little team by team here. There's no particular order to this. It'll probably jump around talking about different players and they'll overlap, but we'll cover it all. We'll start with the Dodgers. They live down uh, down by where you live. Yeah. Manny Machado obviously is one. We uh, we talked about it on last week's show. And you talked about it, and everyone's talked about it. But I, I want to bring it up again because they added Brian Dozier also now. And to many, we don't have to get into the, the uh, actual MLB logistics of it if we don't want to, but it seems like they got a pretty good deal on that one from the Minnesota Twins. Now, you add those two pieces to an already very talented roster – how do you think everything shakes out there? Because, you know, sure, uh, Justin Turner's injured, but guys, like, there's going to be a lot more platooning going on. So from a fantasy impact, how do we view this situation? 
Yeah, it was interesting because I was kind of excited as a as a Dozier owner when I when I first heard about it. But then the, Dave Roberts came out and had a quote that said, you know, he's going to play against all lefties and then he'll play against some righties. But we'll see. You know, we have a lot of talented guys. We have to move guys around. So um, I'm a little worried now about maybe he sits, you know, every four days or something like that, which is not what you'll see, especially from Dozer, who's a, a big second half guy. Always, always gets hot in the second half. He's only hitting 224 this year, but the bat really low. Um, I'm hoping that uh, he starts off hot because that's going to lock in you know, more of the everyday playing time. But I'm a little worried if he scuffles a little bit to start that he might start to lose a few at-bats here and there, which is not what you want to see down the stretch from someone like Dozier. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, the Dozier take there. And, and he'll probably be okay for a little while while uh, Turner's still out. But eventually you'd have to imagine they're going to rotate guys around. And the most – the interesting thing I'm thinking of is you look at the outfield, and so that'll move Chris Taylor back to the outfield. You already have Jock Jams, who's most likely going to be a left uh, platoon guy against righties only. And then Bellinger's been scuffling. They can't even, like, sugarcoat it anymore. It's it's not the – maybe it's a sophomore slump, whatever they want to call it. But how do you see that outfield breaking out? Because, you know, Puig's back. There's a lot of lefties, a lot of righties. Is it strictly platoon, or are there, is there at least one or two guys we can, like, stick to in the outfield? Yeah, I mean it's tough. Obviously, Kemp's going to play every day, and like you said, Jock's going to play against righties. But they like it. they like Keegan Hernandez too. I mean, he he mashes lefties, and he's going to be in there against all lefties. And I just don't know where he slides in. It's got to be the outfield because Dozier's going to play second base against lefties. So um, I just don't know what they do when they face a, a lefty. I guess Kike plays center, but then Chris Taylor's got to play somewhere. Uh, you're right. There's like an extra bat for uh, for for the spots right now, even against lefties or righties. So uh, I don't know exactly what they do. They'll probably figure it out. And these tips. T- Things tend to kind of work themselves out. Someone will get hurt. Someone, uh, someone will kind of get themselves out of the lineup. But uh, the Bellinger one's interesting. I wonder if uh, I wonder if he's the guy that maybe sits against lefties. He's uh, you know, he's only in two thirty seven, only seventeen home runs, a huge drop off from last year. Uh, I wonder if he starts to be the one that loses some time at least against southpaws. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. So there'll be something to monitor. And you know, Dave Roberts, he has tendencies to make some interesting lineups from time to time. <laughs> yeah, so, um, he does. He, he will keep us on our toes, and he'll probably make fantasy owners very angry on certain days. So uh, in your weekly lineup leagues, kind of pay attention out of the first you know, week or two pans out because it might be a long you know, eight weeks to go here and see how that all goes. Uh, let's talk about the Pirates. Let's talk about the big fish first. Chris Archer, he's been rumored to be good and dealt to a lot of places, finally goes. Um, we can talk about the Rays returning a little bit here when we talk about them a little more. But this is a, a big change from him, a guy that spent his entire career in the AL East, uh, Jason Collette. He had a great tweet thread uh, yesterday or the day before about the percentage of games and innings he's faced the ALEs compared to the rest and how his numbers are so much better against, you know, a two-pitch pitcher that you can get used to. So how do you see this affect uh, maybe the rest of the year and even, you know, down the road for Archer in Pittsburgh? I've gone, uh, I've gone back and forth on this one about 12 times over the last 24 hours. Um, there, there are days where I think that I watch Chris Archer, I'm like, he's just about to figure it out. And there's days I'm like, is he really that good? And, uh, you know, it's, the thing that concerns me right now, as opposed to past years, is the hard hit rate. He's uh, last two years, 39% and four, over 40% this year. So, uh, you know, he used to have some issues that year in uh, 2016. His area was over four, but he still pitched pretty well. Didn't give a lot of hard contact. But, you know, the numbers are always in the low 30s. And last year just really jumped up. I just – I think teams have figured him out a little bit. I don't know if it's just going to be AL East, but the scouting report's out there. I mean, he throws uh, you know almost exclusively a two-pitch guy right now, fastball slider. I'm, uh, I think the, the move from the AL East to NL Central is huge. The move uh, into Pittsburgh is huge, great place to pitch. Uh, I'm just not as convinced as I was, say, a year ago that, that he's really, really good. No, I'm with you because – I've, I've talked about him many times this year on, on fantasy podcasts. I know you guys have as well. Is you think he's starting to turn that corner, and then the 
it's not quite Sonny Gray-esque, but he's had those just like pickups <laughs> where he just tilts you because you know the talent's there. But, yeah, two pitches, he's starting to finally catch up with them. And maybe the National League will help. Maybe the change of scenery will help. It's just tough to tell. And um, it'll be interesting because the Pirates are actually still in it, so it's good they went for it. Uh, another piece they picked up was Keanu Kella in the bullpen. Uh, uh, Rangers was their closer. Not likely to be closing in Pittsburgh, but uh, a good addition there. What's your thoughts on Kella going to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that he the only way he ends up closing games is maybe in a weird situation where you know a bunch of lefties are due up in the eighth and they they throw Vasquez in there. But I think it's going to be Vasquez uh, almost exclusively. Uh, so loses a ton of fancy value, but I think I think Kell is really good. He had a couple of really bad outings that really hurt his 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 overall line. He had a three earned run, uh, a third of an inning outing, and then a four earned run one inning outing in earlier in the year. And he's only allowed more than one run a game. Uh, he hasn't allowed more than one run a game. Sorry, since May first. So the ERA is 3.44, but he's pitched much better than that over the last uh, last couple of months. The strikeouts are nice. The walks are a little high. But I just think Kell is really good. I think it's a good acquisition because it's a guy that you have team control over uh, for, for next year. And I think the year after, too. Uh, you know, he throws really hard, throws 97. Uh, suddenly the Pirates, you know, the eighth, ninth inning, however they want to mix and match it with who's expected up, that, uh, that's a, one of the more elite lefty-righty combos back in the games. Yeah, if they just want to go, you know, strictly on – on who's coming up a matchup base, they have two guys that can close, and eighth and ninth to be definitely nasty. Like you said, with Archer and Kella, both controllable guys for a couple of years, which is nice to see for a team that's actually out of nowhere, you know, going into the season and doing team previews. I thought they'd be the lacking stuff or one of them in the central, and they've actually made this into something interesting going forward, given if they wanted a controllable starter, why not keep Garrett Cole and not have to do this whole fiasco? But that's a whole other story. Um, do you do you think Garrett Cole's pitching this well if he's still in Pittsburgh? No, that's that's see that's there's a ton of factors. I agree. Um, I don't know because I think the the move to Houston it's been documented by many. You know, Matt Bundika and many have talked about it. The adjustment to throw in the off speed pitch more has been huge, and Pittsburgh's not a team that teaches guys to do that. So uh, I think probably not. You're probably right, and he, and he'd be the ace there compared to being the three or four or whatever he was in the rotation there in Houston, which makes a big difference as well. Yeah, I mean, you just look at it at Cole's strikeout numbers. It's just such a dramatic jump up. you got to think it's something team-related. Uh, and then with Kella moving out of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, and, and Jake Diekman gone mm-hmm. in Texas too, I mean, we got we got Jose LeClerc closing games. I don't know how many games the Rangers are going to win the rest of the way with, you know, playing the three good teams they West a lot. But uh, I guess LeClerc's the guy you got to pick up this week. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask is when you look at a guy like LeClerc, he's actually been really, really good out of the bullpen. Yeah. This year, like, he's not even just the guy that just happens to fall into the closer's role. He, he's He's – going to be good he should be good um and but the, you hit it on the head is how many games are they going to win now because they dismantled uh you love or hate cole hamels we'll talk about him in a bit their ace is gone <laughs> they their staff is bad but um when you look at them you got eight weeks over under like seven saves maybe <laughs> i don't know it's tough yeah that's i'd probably take the over on seven but not by a lot i mean it's yeah. uh they still have some offense. They can still hit, but you're right. That I mean, they're going to give up so many runs in the last two months here. It's going to be – I mean, the A's went in there and just kept scoring runs against them last week. And uh, they played well against Houston this weekend. But uh, I just – I just think that you're right. They're going to give up so many runs. I mean, after Mike Minor, there's pretty much four or five guys that could give up, you know, five, six runs at any moment. So uh, I, I worry about the save offs. But, you know, LeClerc, you know, 15.5% swing strike rate, uh, 12.7 Ks per nine is really nice. He walks too many guys. But – in terms of guys falling into closer jobs the last you know few weeks or so, he's he's kind of the more interesting of of, of most of them. 
They got him, guys like Kirby Yates and a couple others have been are really nice little guys that are, yeah. you know, Kirby Yates not getting traded, Will Smith, the Giants not getting traded, stuff like that turned out really well. You mentioned the A's, so I want to take a side note, real, a sidebar <laughs> real quick on here because I've been, I love them. They're one of my preseason surprise predictions. I made a side bet on my other baseball show that um, Chris Davis, Chapman, and Olsen will out homer the big three in New York. And right now I'm getting pretty close to being even money there now. Wow. So that's good. But, um, can you explain, because you are way more invested in them than I am. Like you said, they go and torch it in Texas. They've scored uh, double digits last night, eight runs today, and then they get shut down in Colorado. What happened? It, that was such a weird series. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting so much good stuff. I was so excited for the A's in my lineup. And then, you know, I when I watched the series, Colorado actually pitched really well. I know it sounds strange, but Kyle Freeland pitched really well. Really well. Uh, I think it was Herman uh, Marquez pitched really well. I watched it. It wasn't there was a, there was a couple of hard hit balls, and then you know they hit some hard outs and loud outs. But for the most part, Colorado just pitched them really well. It was it was odd, and it was not what I was expecting. I think I tweeted about the fact that the only thing to make the A's bats cold is head to Coors Field. But uh, that was a really weird series. I was disappointed by that series. But you know, I think it's also they were so hot, running such a high off that four game sweep. I just wonder if there was a little bit of letdown there. I mean, the bullpen was was ravaged, but that has nothing to do with the offense. But uh, I, I wonder if, uh, you know, maybe losing a couple games, I didn't want them to get swept, but losing a couple games and kind of saving the bullpen uh, might have been a godsend because the bullpen was getting really overworked. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that's the beauty of baseball. There's all kinds of weird waves like that throughout a year. So yeah, really it, just, it, was, it just came out of nowhere. It's like, what the heck just <laughs> happened? Yeah. Um, let's talk about those Tampa Bay Rays now. And we'll start off with the two guys in the Chris Archer deal and save the best for last, in my opinion. Yep. Um, Austin Meadows comes over and Tyler Glass now. Now, sure. Glasnow has struggled. He's pitched better out of the bullpen this year, and he's actually on Wednesday night going to be the opener for the Rays, which maybe he'll, <laughs> he'll tweak some things and work it out there. Maybe it's the perfect spot for him. And then Austin Meadows will be coming over, and, you know, big-time Herald of Prospect really never got his feeding his foot in uh, Pittsburgh. How do you look at that in the return for Chris Archer? Because I, I like it from both sides, I guess. You know, I, I think I did too. I know that uh, there's a lot of people that had a lot of strong takes on that trade. A lot of people loved the Pittsburgh side. A lot of people loved the Tampa Bay side. I was – Kind of more in the middle. I thought it was interesting from both sides. I thought Tampa Bay did pretty well. Uh, I'm not totally convinced on Austin Meadows, but he's only 23. Uh, you got to think the power's going to come. But, I mean, he hasn't hit more than 12 home runs any season. Again, only 23, so you kind of hold off uh, on that. But did have five home runs for the Pirates when he was up in 165 plate appearances. But I think the Tampa Bay did well. I mean, you got uh, you got two pretty hyped guys. Glassdown's got a long way to go, especially with the walk rate. But uh, two pretty hyped guys, and apparently there's a third player to be named later coming over too. Yeah, they got a third piece of that puzzle. And then earlier that day, they make an even just shocked the world. Every Cardinals fan, are, and they're crazy, <laughs> they were even shocked by this. And this is kind of just I, – I, I refer to it as the scorned lover finally had enough and you have to go because there is definitely animosity between Tommy Pham and the St. Louis Cardinals front office. And they let him go for uh, some prospects. Justin Williams used to be a bigger prospect, having a big time down here for Tampa – Funny that they also got 500000 in international money that the Rays did. But Tommy Pham still going to be under control through 2022. He's going to be his first year of arbitration after this year. This just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, well, I was in the middle on the, on the Rays-Pirates trade. I loved this trade for the Rays. Yeah. Like you said, team control for three and a half years. Um, he, uh, he hit, he's hit cleanup tonight. I mean, that's, uh, that's yeah. pretty sweet, but you know, I know everybody's like, Oh, the batting average is down this year. All the numbers are down, but he's still mashing ball. He's 47 and a half percent hard hit rate. Just stuff hasn't fallen in, but there's a guy a year ago that was 23 bombs, 25 steals and 300, 400, 500. I mean, 
you don't find guys like that. I know he's 30, but he's, you know, controlled for three and a half more years. He's kind of getting his peak right now. And then you can kind of figure it out at the end at 33 if you want to resign him. But to get his 31, 32, and 33-year-old years for what they got, I just – I love this trade for them. I think that uh, – I, I like his fire. I know that he comes under under fire a lot for, you know, being a little too fired up and too intense. His Sports Illustrated article this spring was one that uh, a lot of people run the wrong way. But I like a guy like that. I like a guy that wants to play and believes in himself. And give me that any time over someone that's like, yeah, all right, I got sent down, no big deal. Uh, give me a guy who really wants to be there. Yeah, exactly. I loved every bit about that. I love his I love his energy. It's not negative energy to me, at least for a clubhouse. And I think he'll fit in perfect in Tampa Bay. And now you look what Tampa Bay did. They already had a, a really deep farm system, and they didn't really give up any big pieces. And now you get a controllable glass, a controllable – Meadows, you have Fam to go to the outfield with Kiermaier, who they locked down. You got Bowers having a great year. You, you just go around the diamond, and, and you got Adamus coming up eventually at, in the, for full time work in the middle of the infield. They're putting the pieces together to a very young, talented ball club that could be really interesting. It's always going to be hard to compete with Boston and New York, but it, they've really put something together here really nicely. Yeah, and you mentioned Jake Bowers. I absolutely love Jake Bowers. I love watching him hit. Uh, talking about a guy who's hitting the ball hard. I mean, he's matching the ball 44% hard hit rate in his first time through the bigs. Super impressive in 47 games. The, the, the power is he was kind of like a Meadows guy. Uh, not a ton of power in the minors, but uh, already eight home runs for the Rays. Uh, I think his future is crazy bright. I, I love what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, and I even forgot CJ Crone is having a great Like They are looking real good. Get some of that pitching healthy from the minors. And it, it could be real interesting to see how they could compete. Uh, maybe make a run like they did a few years ago, maybe in the upcoming seasons. Um, let's talk about the Atlanta Braves, who are still trying to hang around in the uh, NL East and in a wild card race. They acquired Brad, Brad Brock earlier in the week, and then they got, acquired Kevin Gossman and Darren O'Day and had a separate trade with the Orioles on trade deadline day. Uh, Gossman, a controllable piece of the pie uh, for a few years to come, and they got some nice bullpen arms there. I guess the bullpen's kind of already figured out. Maybe Brock vultures a save or two in the end, but – more so Kevin Gossman. How do you think this plays out in Atlanta? And he's another one that's hard to figure out, you know, how much of a difference going to be going from the AL East to the NL East. But, you know, his strikeouts are down. He was high eights the last couple of years. Now he's like seven and a half Ks per nine. That worries me at his age. Uh, home runs are just such a big issue with him. And obviously moving out of Camden should help that. But, you know, Atlanta's a pretty good park to hit, especially for lefties. He's a righty, so he's going to face a lot of lefties. But he's over, you know, 1.4 home runs per nine the last three years, each of the last three years. Swing strikeout rate is up, even though the strikeouts are down. So that's a little bit of a good sign. But uh, I'm a little worried his, his velocity's down. He's under 94 miles an hour, career low. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not really much of a Gossman guy. I think he will improve going to the National League and, and pitching for the Braves, but not someone I'm going to, like, jump and run out and try and trade for right now. Not someone I think is going to really break out in the National League and not someone I would be super aggressive about adding, like, an NL-only league. I think there's other guys I'd rather attack. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Gossman. It's it's really frustrating because the talent's there. It kind of brings us back full circle with like Chris Archer and stuff. Is you've seen how good he can be, but man, if he when he goes bad, it goes bad quick. And now he's not getting strikeouts. It's very very difficult to work with there. Um, the other piece they picked up was Adam Duvall from the Reds. And the way I look at it now is he's going to be strictly a platoon, most likely in the outfield, possibly with uh, Inciarte or something. So. Do you find any reason to hang on to Duvall, and who do you think it impacts in the outfield? Yeah, I like this move from for the Braves from kind of a real baseball perspective, but fantasy-wise, yeah. I think it just kills Duvall. I mean, he's going to play against all lefties. They wanted to find a way to to sit Ender against lefties, but 
Ender's going to play against Ray. He's such a good outfielder, and he, you know, a lot of speed. He hasn't had a good, hasn't had a very good year, but they still like him a lot, and he's going to still play against all the righties, or at least a large majority of them. You know, Duvall, you know, thirty home runs the last couple seasons, but he's, he's hit two hundred five this year. So there's not a ton of reason for them to really force him in the lineup unless he gets really hot. Um, still has a lot of fly balls, still in the ball pretty hard, but I'm just concerned about the, about the playing time. And from a fantasy perspective, unless you play in a daily league where you can, uh, you know, just start him against lefties, I think he's really hard to roster right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. Daily leagues, he still has a little bit of value for you if the full-time guy you're going to drop is worth dropping type deal. Right. But uh, otherwise, otherwise it's tricky because he does mash lefties. But, man, that, that kills you pretty good there. Let's talk Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they made a couple big moves, and they basically said, we don't need starting pitching. We're going to make the bullpen lights out, and we're going to get all the offense in the world. <laughs> we have created a slow-pitch softball team out there where you don't have to play defense. We're going to find a spot for you. Just hit the baseball. Um, they went and got Mike Mustakis from the Bre- from the uh, from the Brewers or the center of the Brewers from the Royals for Brett Phillips and Jorge Lopez. Before we talk Mustakis, though, I do want to ask you, uh, Brett Phillips. He's already played two games with the um, Royals. Had a good one the other night. He's batting in the middle of the order for them. They're going to give him everyday playing time. Once a heralded prospect, is there any desire for a guy like Brett Phillips? I think in a in a deep league where you're just kind of looking for uh, counting cats, you want some runs and some and some RBIs, maybe a little bit of speed. He had a 11 uh, stolen bases in AAA, only six home runs in 71 games. But I think uh, from a pure like a bat standpoint, a little bit. But I just hate how much he strikes out. He's like 31 percent in the minors this year, 30 percent last year, 35 percent when he played for the Brewers last year. I just uh, I just think the strikeouts are too much. I think he's going to end up hurting batting average. And I don't think the power is quite ready yet for him to be a, a huge contributor. But like I said, in a deeper league where you need at-bats, is, is kind of the spot in AL only, a 15-team uh, a league, I think he's worth a pickup. But uh, beyond that, uh, I'm probably staying away from now, especially in a lineup that is really, really kind of ugly. Yeah. And before we get to Mustakis, I want to cover the second trade's return for the other team. Then we'll group all the madness together for the Brewers. <laughs> um, they also acquired Jonathan Scope at the, uh, at the Bell yesterday. And they got they sent two prospects and Jonathan VR to Baltimore. Now Jonathan VR, everyone was in love with two years ago. He helped many win fantasy titles, let everybody down last year. This year he's had good weeks, bad weeks, not really a consistent enough player to play because playing time wasn't always there. Now he should be the everyday guy for the Orioles for the rest of the season, at least. And at worst, if he's playing every day, he should be able to get you some steals. Do you have a newfound at least attention towards Jonathan VR? Yeah, I think he was kind of sneakily the guy who, who gained the most value from this uh, trade deadline, even though he was the one that shipped out. But and if you, I, I'm not I'm not sold on VR as a hitter, but if you are in a league and you need stolen bases, this is your best chance to get a stolen base guy off the waiver wire from the last two months. I mean, he's a guy that should play every day and should should be able to run. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, they're so bad they're not really gonna usually they don't run very much. And there was a famous Machado zero stolen base year a couple of years ago, but I think with how bad they are, they're in the low 30s or whatever they are in wins, just so awful. I think they'll let him run when he gets on base and. You know, it's hard to find stolen bases right now. I think the league leader has like 28 or 29 now that now that Trey Turner has six in the last week. But um, I think he already has 14 stolen bases. I think there's a, there's a good chance he gets double digits the rest of the way, which could be gold in, the, in a deeper league. Yeah, double digits in the last two months would be outstanding, yeah. especially, in deep, especially in deep leagues, like you said. Um, now let's talk Moustakis. Let's talk scope. We'll start yeah. with Moustakis. Should be the everyday third baseman. We know what we're going to get from him. Um and then you got scope, obviously. But what do you think of Mustakis the rest of the way? Is is it an inc- an even 
better improvement, obviously a better park, but what are you thinking there? Yeah, I absolutely love this trade for Moustakis. I think that, you know, he moves from a, a park that really suppresses left-handed power to one that really uh, makes it look good. Uh, I know his OBP is only 308. He's only hit 248, but uh, the BABIP's low. Great, great strikeout rate for a guy with that much power. He does already have 20 home runs. Uh, career high, hard hit rate. I like everything about Moustakis. I think that if I'm in an ML only league, he's what I'm using the hammer on if I have free agent money. Um, you know, his home run for fly ball looks low, so I think that's going to bounce back a little bit, especially getting out of KC, playing half your games in Milwaukee. I think just just a perfect fit for Moustakis. Once I realized that they were moving Travis Shaw to second base and playing time wasn't going to be weirdly an issue, I think it's just a fantastic fantasy move for Moustakis owners. Yeah, I agree with that there, and that brings us to the fun part is Jonathan Scope. He's usually <laughs> a second baseman. He was a shortstop in the minors we looked into, and um, with Shaw struggling against lefties, there might be a platoon. How do you think Scope plays out, especially considering it was you, me, and a couple other guys about what, two weeks ago saying he was ruined we'd never draft him again? And then he's hit about <laughs> – it seems like he's hit a home run every game since then. <laughs> yeah, he's actually playing – he's playing second base tonight, so Shaw's sitting against uh, Rich Hill, a lefty. But uh, I brought up Scope, like, I think it was about the time about three weeks ago, and I just didn't see much that I liked. His hard hit rate was way down. And then all of a sudden, July, he's just been a monster. He has uh, you know, seven home runs his last nine games before he got traded. Seven home runs, 21 RBIs and it, coming into July, and then he has 19 RBIs and nine home runs just in July by itself. So um, he's, he clearly flipped some sort of switch. You know, hard hit rate, 31% in July is still not something huge, but so far better than it was. Uh, moving, into a, moving into a nice park, but he was already in a pretty good hitter's park in Baltimore. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm not nearly as high on this move for, uh, for him as I am for Moustakis just based on the park switch, but he clearly found something. I'm not totally a buyer yet, though, so I'm going to kind of go uh, middle of the road on scope, which I know is kind of a, kind of a, kind of a weak take, but I don't feel strongly or uh, negatively about him moving to Milwaukee. Just kind of about the same. Yeah, no, no I, don't, I don't blame you there. He's, got, he's not going to increase his offensive abilities, I don't think, going to Milwaukee from Baltimore. The, guy, the last guy I want to ask about here in Milwaukee is Travis Shaw. Like you already said he's sitting the night. I think there's going to be more chances for platoons now because he has 20 homers in the year, none versus righty or lefties. He's hitting under 220 versus lefties. Um, do you think this is going to hurt him enough to make him tougher to own in fantasy leagues? Uh, a little bit. Luckily, he's on the he's on the good side of the platoon, and uh, you know, so against the play of most of the righties. But yeah, I mean, he's going to lose. He's going to have to lose playing time against lefties. They're not going to they're not going to just throw that uh, that the scope shortstop Shaw second base uh, lineup out there every day. I think that. Uh, you know, Orlando RC is so good on defense at shortstop. They're going to want to him to play some some games there. So I think that he's going to lose time against lefties. Uh, like we talked about tonight, uh, Hernan Perez is playing shortstop actually tonight with Rich Hill pitching. So, uh, you know, Hernan Perez is another guy that he plays second, plays short, plays third. Another guy, he's going to need to get some at-bats, especially against lefties. So I think they just have a glut of guys uh, in the infield against lefties. I think Shaw's going to have to get forced out. I mean, he's got, he's got 20 home runs. He's uh, He's been pretty good in the leagues. The strikeout rate's down, but um, – yeah, I don't like it from a uh, from a weekly league because you're, you're going to lose games a shot. A daily league probably doesn't hurt you very much, but uh, yeah, I mean his value's got to go down a little bit, right? Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, it's pretty surprising, you know. A couple weeks ago, Shaw was the everyday third baseman, nothing to worry about, and now he's getting pushed out of the infield. <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty crazy how that all works. But I guess they're thinking depth, 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 and go from there in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Mariners. It wasn't like a. a shocking or fireworks playing when Cameron Mabin gets dealt there, but you know, Mr. DePoto loves making his trades and um, it's a very interesting move because he's definitely better than Guillermo Heredia. who has been playing the center field. Uh, D Gordon has been playing second since Cano has been out. He's going to be playing second the rest of the year. They said, so I don't know what they're going to do with Cano, but um, Cameron Mabin, we know he can steal bags. He's been hitting a lot better the last, you know, couple weeks to a month. 
What's your thoughts on a Cameron Maven? I think in a deeper league, if you're if you're desperate for stolen bases, he's an intriguing guy. Um, I don't love him much as a hitter. I know he's been hitting the ball harder. I know he's a little better than he has been during his career. But, you know, still hitting 250 with three home runs. It's hard to really play that in any kind of like a 12-team league. That's really hard to roster. Uh, when you get no pop and he only has eight stolen bases, if he were to get back to the, you know, those 33 stolen bases of last year and start to run a little bit, I guess I could see it. But probably going to hit the bottom of the order with the way that the, the Mariners are built there. Their top half of the order is pretty much set. Um, not someone that really excites me a lot uh, moving over to the Mariners. Okay. Let's talk about the NL East leading. Yes, the NL East leading <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies. Um, they continue to amaze me every day. And the two-game series in Boston was outstanding. Playoff vibes to it, and they played really, really well. Uh, Aaron Nola is a monster. But they made two more moves to bolster that offense. First, they get as Dribble Cabrera, which you might say they have enough infillers already, but let's remember J.P. Crawford's still rehabbing. And he hasn't really done much. Uh, Scott Kingery has not been the guy they paid at the beginning of the year. Yep. And this just gives so much depth to a, at the very talented Cabrera. What are your thoughts here, Cabrera? I, I almost feel like they're going to find a way to play him almost every day somewhere around that infield. I actually do too. And I, I, I looked at him before we started talking. I, was, I have to admit, I was a little surprised he has 18 home runs. I, I knew he'd been playing well, but that number jumped out to me a little bit and I, more than I thought he had. He only had, he had 14 last year in 135 games. So he's already topped uh, 2017. Just a good, solid player. I mean, he's hitting 272. The defense is not what it used to be. He used to be a pretty good defensive player, and that's kind of fallen off. But uh, Scott Kingery, like you said, has really done nothing. I don't think they're you know, going to be forced to play him you know, consistently. I love Cesar Hernandez. Michael Franco's been coming on a little bit. Carlos Santana's still pretty solid. You know, the batting average is down, but still does a lot of other things with the walks and everything. Uh, I think Cabrera's going to play, though. I think he's, uh, I think he's solid. Uh, you know, the K's are up a bit. I think he's kind of added power, so he's changed his swing a little bit, one of those uh, one of those launching old guys. But hard hit rate's top 40 in baseball, 41%, which I not, would not have expected either. I think it's kind of a sneaky good ad for the Phillies. You know, it was kind of went under the radar with all the, with all the big names, but uh, I think he's really valuable, especially if you can play in three different spots. Uh, I think it's a nice ad for Philadelphia. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good ad there. And if I know he was hanging around the waiver wires for a while, but I'm pretty sure a couple – about at least a month ago he started disappearing – more yeah. rapidly, but uh, if he's there, go take him and tell me what league you're in. I'd like to join it next year. Um, <laughs> there you go. The big move, though, and this is one I love, he was preseason top five catcher for me, and people thought I was crazy, and he's slowly getting there. Wilson Ramos has been absolutely outstanding this year. He's a little banged up right now, but this move for the Phillies, Alfaro has come on of late, but this is a humongous upgrade for him and the team. I love this move. What's your thoughts on Ramos to Philadelphia? It's funny you say that because uh, there are very few fantasy teams I don't have Wilson Ramos on. So I was I was on board with you. I I just liked what he did in the second half last year. OPS was like 900 the last two months after he kind of came back off the injury, got rid of the rust. He kind of hidden in his year was a really great finish, which I liked going forward. Um, the strikeout rate's under 20. Uh, you know that's uh, that's really solid for a guy with this number of home runs. But catcher's so tough to find value at, and he's you know, 297, 14 home runs, and 315 plate appearances. That's really hard to find a catcher, especially if you play in a two-catcher league or a 15-team two-catcher league. I mean, Russell Ramos has been gold. I just I want to ask you, how do you think the playing time works out with Alfaro? Like you said, he's been coming on a little bit. Uh, what kind of split do you think we're looking at once Ramos is back? That's the thing I'm wondering. I'm imagining they're going to want Ramos to take the at least three or four out of the, every five trips through their rotation. That's what they traded him for. They want that bat in the lineup. So I'd imagine he's going to get most of it, but at the same time, you want Alfaro to keep getting playing time and developing, and he's like we said, he's coming on of late. That's what surprised me about all the teams for him to land at. I'd say he probably plays four or five days a week at least. Um, 
You know, keep, if, uh, if, he had, if he had enough at-bats to qualify, he'd be leading the entire majors in strikeout rate, even above Joey Gallo. Jorge Alfaro. Oh, oh, yeah, no, he's, he's been horrible there. And he's hitting 254 with a strikeout rate like that. <laughs> How do you strike out more than Joey Gallo? It's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's baffling, baffling. That's all. And and you, you face the Mets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That should be that's yeah. it right there. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I think you know Alfaro's come on a little bit. He was kind of a sexy name in drafts based on uh, hitting five home runs and twenty nine at bats or twenty nine games last year for the Phillies. But you know, a deeper look at him, he just strikes out a freaking ton. Yeah, lots of swing and miss where Ramos does not do that. He puts that ball exactly. in play. He puts him in play hard. Yeah. So um, a lot to like there in that lineup. You put him with Reese Hoskins and company. My goodness. Um, Reese Hoskins a little bit hot right now. Goodness. Hey, did the home run derby ruin his swing? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, I love when people say that. And everybody, everybody just goes with, oh, well, Bobby Abreu. And I'm like, okay, you have one example. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah give Bobby me some Abreu more, was a The first half of that year was such a freaky home run number anyway. But I, I love it. I love that Hoskins even came out and said it helped the swing. It was just, that was beautiful. Yeah, when he came out and said that's like this is why this is why these kids we have out there these days are great. They just I don't care. Yeah. They don't care. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, and the and that derby was one of the best ones I've ever watched. So it was good. Yes, it was good. Uh, let's talk Cleveland Indians. This isn't a fancy move at all. Or actually, real quick before we go back, um, you might not have the info on this because it's some obscure names. But I'm playing DFS. You probably have an idea. So the Rays now without a catcher, they have <laughs> Jesus Sucre, and then they have uh, I believe it's Michael Perez or Matthew Perez. It's left. It's, it's Michael. Michael. And he's actually played well in this like little run he's had. Is this a guy maybe in a deep league to keep an eye on, or are you just saying screw it? There's got to be some because catcher's pretty buoyed out there. Uh, catcher's brutal. I uh, when I had the Wilson Ramos injury, I had to go find guys. And I've been cycling between you know Elias Diaz, and I yep. had uh, I had some I'm Matt Weeters, met some Matt Weeters in there who he's just terrible right now. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing with with uh, with Perez is you know usually catchers are really uh, tough on the batting average, but last couple of years in 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 the minors he's hit two seventy nine in Double A then. 284 this year in Triple A, so you're not gonna get a lot of power. He's got six home runs in Triple A, but if you're gonna get some batting average out of a catcher in a 15 team league, where you gotta start two catchers. I mean, that's 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 gold right there. If he's the guy's not hitting 220, um, you know, if it, Mike Zunita's hitting like 180, Sanchez is hitting 180, get some power there. But if you get a guy who hits two, you know, even 265, uh, there's some sneaky value there. And if he plays a bunch, you know, he's he, yeah, I figure he's gonna be 50 50 with Sucre. Uh, not the worst pickup in a 15 teamer. I you know, not not someone's gonna win you a league, but. Someone that might hold on to a couple of batting average points. Yeah, there's him and then the other catcher just for fun, uh, Francisco Arcia of the Angels. Yeah. He's come on guns blazing. So at least you got two options out there if you want to roll the dice because you're hurting anyways. Guys to think about. Let's talk to those Indians. Leonis Martin of the formerly of the Tigers goes over. He's basically a decent fourth outfit that they're going to pick up. So more depth for a team that's already going to be winning their division and everything. And it helps because Brantley even got scratched today with the – he's a little banged up. We know how quickly that can change to a DL stint for him. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you look at Leonis Martinez who's actually hitting the ball so much harder than ever and much, much better than ever? I mean, you also in that outfield, you've got you got Bradley Zimmer's done. You have Lonnie Chisholm who's out long term. So they, they kind of need some outfield bats. So it, was a, it was a sneaky good little ad. And like you said, hitting the ball harder than he ever has. He was a, he's at 39% hard hit rate. He's never been over 30%, I don't think. Uh, fly ball rates, 46%, never been over 40%. So he's one of those guys that clearly has changed his, uh, his swing for the whole launch angle revolution, all that. But it, it, what's weird about him is I looked at him, he had 25 stolen bases last year in AAA. So he was really running a lot. So still has some speed, uh, nine homers, seven stolen bases this year. 
Uh, again, not a guy who's going to be flashy or win your league, but if he's available, any kind of uh, even the twelve team league, I think starting every day for the Indians, uh, he's a must add. Yeah, if he's got that everyday role, I completely agree. I was there were times when I was needing outfield depth in deep leagues. I was rolling with him throughout the year just because when he was leading off and healthy for the Tigers, he was very productive, yep. getting on base, hitting like you said. So I think he's sneaky. A lot of people said, "Oh, whatever, it's just Leonis Martin," but I think they haven't really paid attention to him this year. He's been much more productive than that. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, stolen bases are hard to find. If he's a guy that could, you know, even if he could sneak in five to seven in the last two months, that helps a lot in leagues where stolen bases are really tight. The category is so low because everybody's, you know, struggling to find them. Five to seven makes a big difference, a couple points right there. No doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about one of the more unpleasant topics of the trade <laughs> deadline. And uh, we can go as deep on this as, as you want or as shallow as you want. I understand both sides of it. But the Astros did something that many did not see coming, including – their own locker room. They acquired Roberto Asuna from the Blue Jays for Ken Giles and a couple other prospects. Uh, the Blue Jays made out really, really well right here. Uh, got rid of a big problem and got some pieces back that'll help them. Not sure what the Astros were thinking, but what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I know what they're thinking. He's a top five to seven closer yeah. when he's healthy, but uh, it's just uh, you talk about a, you talk about a PR guy, and it's not someone that. You know, you've got the, the Jose Reyes, Juris Familia stuff where, you know, they got their suspension, their cases were dismissed, the charges were dropped, whatever it may be. You know, Osuna's currently pending a criminal matter, and it's it's out there. And it's weird that we don't have a ton of details on it. There's a lot, there's a lot of vague quotes about, oh, have you seen the pictures, but they're not out there. So uh, it sounds pretty ugly. You've got to think that MLB, you know, they're obviously trying to be, a, you know, ahead of the PR game with suspension. But 75 games, you got to think they knew something to make that long of suspension. So, uh Interesting choice by the Astros, especially you have Justin Verlander and, uh, and Lance McCullers, uh, you know, tweeting about the the prospect they end up cutting for the same uh, domestic violence issue. Also, uh, that's gonna be an interesting clubhouse when he shows up on Sunday. But if he's the closer, you know, fantasy leagues, you gotta kind of uh, you know put your uh, put your issues with stuff aside. Usually, uh, if he's the closer, and I think he probably will be, although Hector Rondon's been really good. Uh, you know, his whip's been under one the last three seasons. One of those guys that never walks anybody. His K's were down a little bit this year, but only 15 innings so far for the Blue Jays. His K to walk was still 13 to one. Uh, he just never walks anybody. I love that in a closer. I hate watching a closer with two run lead and he walks the first guy. Um, career ARA is under three. The whip's under one. Uh, there's nothing on the baseball field. You know, Roberto is only 23. There's nothing on the baseball field that I don't like with Asuna. You just wonder how he's going to pitch A on the road when he gets booed with the pressure of coming into a World Series team with all this stuff on his shoulders. So it's kind of an X factor, intangible stuff in, in a ways that he could fail. Pure baseball wise, though, the guys are stuck. Yeah, I agree. And they have control of him for two more years. Like baseball wise, on the field wise, he is lights out. Um, preseason, yeah. I had him as a top, one of my top three or four guys. So like you said, top notch closer. Uh, it will be interesting because I've seen some videos of his teammates. The locker room is going to be interesting. And the other interesting factor is they, they did the suspension, I think, assuming everything will be taken care of. He had a court date today. They po- they met. They postponed it again until September fifth. Oh. By then, by then his suspension's over technically. So I don't know how that's all going to play out. Does MLB go wait? They're still <laughs> under legals. I, I, it's, that's the thing I'm curious about. Would so, you uh, um, Would you want him on the Giants? Well, everyone's going to say you loved Barry Bonds, but that's a whole <laughs> different. That's, oh, that's the that's the argument. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I've already heard that argument. Like people, yeah. like Giants can turn their their heads to situations. I don't know, like. It's it's not it's it's a it's an it's a question that there's almost no real it's a really hard answer. No, I've, I've gotten into these debates before. Like I'm a guy that completely agrees that everyone deserves second chances in life. Everyone does. Yep. But there's also a point where is it worth is like the juice worth the squeeze in this situation? 
Yeah, yeah if, very, I'm very a, if I'm a GM, like you take the Giants or the A's, if I'm a GM in a Bay Area where, uh, you know, certain uh, you know types of people, I don't think it'll, I don't think it would work there. Maybe it works no. better in Houston. I don't know. Uh, you know, hard to stereotype areas, but uh, I don't think I would have uh, taken the risk as a GM, but uh, I'm with you on the second chances. And, you know, we don't know all the details either, so there's still stuff that's going to get parsed out. But uh, it's definitely a risky move by the Astros in terms of a in terms of PR world, in terms of how he handles everything world. It's it's a, It was a move that I didn't see coming. Definitely. Well, we'll see how that plays out and not drag that one through anymore here. Yes, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's an awkward one. I've had to talk about it on three shows now, so I'm good. I hope I never have to again. <laughs> I'm um, with you. <laughs> let's talk Boston Red Sox. Um, as a guy that grew up with Dustin Pedroia, it's sad to see his career is pretty much over now, but he's going to be getting replaced by Ian Kinsler, a guy that he beat out in college and Kinsler had a transfer at Arizona state. So what's your thoughts on Kinsler being the everyday second baseman and probably one of the better lineups in all of baseball? Yeah. I mean, great, great move for Kinsler from fantasy purpose. He looks like he's hitting, uh, he's hitting six yesterday uh, when he, when he first came in and, you know, he's someone that uh, was really struggling early on. Uh, he was under 225 each of the first three months of the season. Did hit 316 in July. But, you know, hard hit rate was only 31%. It's not like he was suddenly mashing the ball. The Babbitt just jumped way up to 350. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really nice fantasy move for Kinsler, just, you know, getting uh, getting into a better lineup. You know, the Red Sox just score up and down the lineup. I think it's a good move for the Red Sox, too. They kind of – they really make that lineup a little bit longer with Kinsler in there. Uh, you know, they were starting to get a little bit top-heavy. And uh, and now with this move, you know maybe they they, they lengthen that out a little bit. Once uh, once Devers comes back, uh, it kind of solves a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good move for Boston. I think it's a good move for Kinsler. Nothing that uh, jumps off the radar to me is like must go out and grab him if uh, in a trade or something like that. But if I own him, I'm certainly happy with the the boost I'm going to get and probably it runs in RBI. Definitely, and if you know Mookie Betts always leads off, and if somehow they sneak him towards the top of that order, I'd be much more intrigued to uh, see what he's got going on. Agreed. Let's talk about the New York Yankees here. We've got Mr. Hand, Foot, and Mouth Disease, J.A. Happ himself. <laughs> I don't know what is going on in New York, Scott, but I don't ever hear about that disease in California. <laughs> but um, uh, that just that shocks me. But uh, they go and get J.A. Happ, and they get Lance Lynn. Happ's already made a start before he got his hand, foot, and mouth disease. Lynn came out of the bullpen today for Sonny Gray. So uh, they're already getting utilized. I believe Lynn's going to give him more depth in the pen, Happ in the rotation. What's your thoughts on those two and fantasy-wise for the Yanks? Yeah, I think Hap is – I've never been a huge Hap guy, but I think he's just solid. You know, too many home runs, and he does – he's staying in the AL East and pitching in a tough home run park now. But, you know, swinging strikeout rate's over 10% for the first time. So, the, you know, the the, ed, the addition in Ks looks to be fully fully supported. He's at like 9.9 Ks per nine, a career high. Um, suppresses hard contact well, which I like, under 30% the last two years. I just think it's tough to pitch in, in that stadium. I think it's tough to pitch in the AL East. I think, you know, his ERA is 4.05 right now. I think that's probably about what I'd expect the rest of the way. Uh, but obviously a huge bump up for wins pitching for the Yankees to the Blue Jays. So um, I think half's value goes up a little bit just in terms of the wins, but I think the ratios will be about the same. I don't think he, he's not someone I'm grabbing, you know, hoping to uh, hoping to help my ratios out. But uh, wins and strikeouts, I think good there. And Lance Lynn, uh, you can just you can keep yourself. Yeah, talk about a guy that probably should have signed earlier and got some spring training in. Ooh, no but, doubt. Um, yeah, him and Alex Cobb. Let's talk about the Chicago Cubs. He's making his debut for the Cubs tonight. Uh, struggled tremendously in Texas, but on the road was okay. Change-up usage has gone down tremendously this year. Uh, Cole Hamels, big move for the Cubs. Is it a big move for your fantasy team? It's funny. You look at Hamels and you start with the, the first set of stats. You look at like the K's and the walks and everything looks back to the 2015, 2016 years when, you know, the ERA was really good. Last year he had a huge strikeout drop. Um, and, you know, this year it's back up. It's almost about a strikeout per, per inning. He's at 8.97 K's per nine. And then you scroll down, you look at the batted ball stuff, and 
45% hard hit rate is crazy for Hamels. He's a guy that always was in the, the high 20s, maybe low 30s. Last year bumped up a little bit. But as I, as I looked at him, I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. I kind of like this. I kind of like this. I came across that. Uh, he's giving up a ton of hard contact, and that, that explains all the home runs. I think he's given up uh, he's given up 1.8 home runs per nine, and he's given up 23 home runs already this year. Uh, a lot of that's going to help going to the NL Central, uh, moving from the moving to the AOS, you know, facing the A's and the Rangers and the Mariners. But I don't know. Uh, that, that hard hit rate really scares me. I think that uh, people are really seeing him well, and while he's getting the strikeouts, uh, it, it, he's, he's getting that. I don't know. That hard hit rate scares me away. I think that uh, I'm not as optimistic as I thought I'd be kind of, kind of when I first looked at him. Yeah, that's kind of how I was when I saw he got dealt. I wasn't super excited about Cole Hamels going to Chicago. I can already picture a wind blowing out day in Wrigley not ending well for him at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I'm just I'm, I'm concerned about it. We'll see how he does tonight against Pittsburgh, who had some fun with uh, Johnny Lester last night. So we got a good test of his first start tonight. Any we'll, any time anytime John Lester gets uh, beat up a little bit, I'm good with that. Yeah, no problems there at all. I bet you definitely, as an A's fan, enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, um, thanks, thanks, thanks for holding that 7-3 lead in the wildcard game. <laughs> Never forget. Much, um, much appreciated. That worked out fantastically well. It's okay. The Giants cleaned up the mess. It's okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. I, I didn't hear about that from my entire high school and everybody I know for my whole life. It's great. Let me tell you. My, my uh, father-in-law is a huge Giants fan, and I don't hear about it ever. I, it's fantastic. It's okay. If it, I know it doesn't make you feel any better, but I, I have a feeling that the A's might win them before the Giants do again, so I think you're okay there. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't love the direction your team's at the moment, but uh, no. at least they have the ability to spend some cash. But they uh, second-highest payroll in baseball. It's crazy how, uh, how little talent is there. They're paying a lot of guys a lot of money who aren't really helping. Yep, yep, it's getting ugly. I was ready to trade Bumgarner at the deadline right about now. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Uh, yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> the last guy we're going to talk about here, and we're definitely not hitting on everybody that, that went through, but kind of fantasy-wise, Eduardo Escobar comes over to the Diamondbacks, and he was really, really good for the Twins, and people forget he wouldn't have got the playing time he got if it wasn't for one little Jorge Polanco taking steroids. Yep. So um, it's a big move, and he's already – he's got – you know, he can play second, short, and third. You switch hitter which will help all around for the D-backs. What's your thoughts on Eduardo Escobar? I love Eduardo Escobar. I love the uh, the third-base shortstop eligibility in all leagues. I mean, the fact that he can cover corner and middle is just so valuable in fantasy leagues. But, you know, 15 home runs uh, fifteen home runs already this year. He's hit 276. And you talk about, you know, he, he, he slid into that Jorge Polanco spot. He's going to slide into Jake Lamb's spot. I mean, there's reports out today Jake Lamb might be out long-term. It's really looking bad with that uh, with that injury. So I think that, you know, my first concern when Escobar a trade was, uh, where does he play? They, they like Nick Ahmed's defense. Chris Owings has to play a little bit. But with Lamb, with Lamb out, uh, it looks like long-term, Escobar is going to play third base every day. I love that. Um, hard hit rate's 39%. Uh, you know, the humidor, we talked all about that in the preseason. That's obviously hurt the, the Dynamax a little bit. But uh, playing every day there in that lineup, he, you know, hit second one night. I think he hit fourth the other night. Uh, just a perfect spot, you know, hitting around Goldschmidt, around A.J. Pollock. I love Escobar. I think he's going to be great uh, down the stretch. Uh, in NL only leagues, I would certainly spend the money on him. Uh, him and Mustakas would be my two big bids uh, this week if I were uh, if I were looking to uh, look, looking to grab the guys uh, the, the coming over guys. Uh, I love Escobar. One of my favorite players to watch in the league. I love it. Yeah, he's a big big fan of his, and he even brings a lot of speed to the pa- base pass that people don't like to think about very often when it comes to him. Um, you hit the NL question. I was going to say with the last question here because you know Dozier came to the NL. Chris Archer's to the NL, you had Mustakis, Scope, Escobar. So Escobar and Mustakis are your two guys. Like, I'm telling you, I don't play in any AL, NL leagues. I need to. I don't. I just play, like, 15-plus team leagues. I need okay. to get into some onlys. But that's going to be bananas for your waiver wires. Um, let's talk about 
because people probably spent a ton on Machado last week, so some guys might not even have money anymore in those leagues. Let's talk about the AL, though, because you got, like, Tommy Pham and and uh, many others. Heck, I didn't even mention Wilson Ramos and some others in uh, the NL. The NL went much heavier. Way, Tommy- way, way heavier. Yeah, I mean, Tommy Pham's yeah. easily the best one, right? Yeah, as I'm looking at this little list real quick, it's, you know, him and your Cameron Maben doesn't meet Tommy Pham numbers. Yeah, Tommy Pham's the guy. AL only. Go get Tommy Pham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, NL, there's, you know, six, seven guys that he's getting some aggressive bidding and how you want to order them, you know. Probably depends on how much you believe in Chris Archer or not, but uh, I'd probably go Mustakas, Escobar, Archer, Dozier, something like that. But I mean, those are all four guys that adding to an NL only team is just monstrous. Well, th- and then question for you, like in an NL only, you know how shallow catchers are. How much does that involve Wilson Ramos now? Yeah, that, that's true too. I totally, <laughs> totally blanked on the cutting him. That's, I mean, that's five. Yeah. And an NL only league catchers are obviously going to be super thin. Yeah, you got to put him. Uh, that's a tough. That's a tough that's five. A to, that's, yeah, that's a tough five to rank right there. I don't go above Mustakas, but um, yeah, probably right around Archer, right in there. I think that uh, the fact that catchers are so thin in an only league, I mean, that's a that's a top five catcher coming over. That's yeah, it's crazy because if you save money in NL only, even the top three teams that save money are all going to get somebody really good. Yeah, basically a top you know two round, three round draft pick coming your direction right now. Pretty yep. crazy. All right, Scott, that'll pretty much wrap us up. Uh, we could have kept going, but uh, we'll call it a day there. Why don't you let everybody else know, again, what you got going at Rotowire and what you got coming up? Yeah, just if, if uh, you subscribe to Rotowire, read my column. Oak's Corner comes up uh, usually about midday Friday Pacific time. I submit it Thursday night, so it usually goes up about midday Friday. Uh, listen to the podcast with me and uh, Jeff Erickson. We're on there. Uh, drops every late Sunday night, so download that on, on Monday morning. We usually have a pretty good recap of the weekend and kind of looking towards the week. A lot of free agency talk, which is uh, usually pretty valuable. Hopefully uh, fun for people to listen to. Jeff and I uh, have been friends for a long time, so usually a pretty good rapport there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Scott Genstead, and Genstead is J-E-N-S-T-A-D. And I think that, uh, that's, about, that's about all about me. Yeah, I highly recommend the follow guys. He's a great stuff, great, just entertaining stuff, smart guy with the sports and baseball, football, the works. So go check it out. And he's a Bay Area fan. So we definitely <laughs> love we definitely love that, even though he's he's stuck in L.A. But uh, Scott, thanks for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. I much appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. I had a good time. No problem. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 110, trade deadline recap. Catch you guys later.